Well, welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. We are here in our first week without Daniel it as feels unnatural. a sidekick. I didn't like you doing the intro. <laughs> I mean, it is unnatural, but he's not here, so, yeah, so he can't. That's right. We could have him. Uh, we could have him CGI'd in. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, or we could have him uh his recordings of his voice played in but out of respect for Daniel we are not going to do that so yeah. we are we're working in a new era and uh yeah you'll get used to it after a while but uh, we've got uh, it's uh, you know the same same deal is the bible still good yeah <laughs> so we're still still reading it still learning more about Jesus coming to a greater understanding of him as we read through uh the bible we are taking time to look at what we did read that week and uh, and look at highlights that uh, stuck things that stuck out to us. Uh, we've gotten into the art of journaling, and so in our in our journaling and and writing out the things that God shares, we have some things mm-hmm. to share with you about God's word. This past week we read we started in Isaiah, and Isaiah is it's longer than Job, but it doesn't seem longer than Job uh, <laughs> because uh, Isaiah has so much messianic prophecy mm-hmm. in it it is it's almost like reading the new testament at times because you are there are so many things that we read about christ uh and it's amazing how it was written hundreds of years before jesus came on the scene but mm-hmm. we'll be we'll be looking we're going to start it in isaiah and looking at some of the things that uh, god shared there we're also finishing up first corinthians which is a really tough uh, letter mm-hmm. uh, and then paul goes into second corinthians there's a most likely a letter in between First and Second Corinthians that we don't have, uh, so we don't uh, we don't pretend to know what it says. But uh, but just by the things that way Paul is speaking in Second Corinthians, there's there's a believe we believe there's something in between. But we are uh, we're moving from First Corinthians into Second Corinthians, and uh, and and a lot of similar material, similar because you're talking about a similar cultural context. But uh, but Second Corinthians has some uh, very pointed counsel from the Apostle Paul as well that is, uh, these are some really good chapters. So I hope that uh, you had a chance to read them. If not, we're going to tell you what we got out of it and uh, and share maybe a little bit from the Psalms and Proverbs uh, as well. But uh, we are going to share Josh Humphreys, who's still faithfully here. Thank you, Josh, for yes, being here. And uh, and uh, we are going to share about what God revealed and, and then answer some questions uh, when we come back. Well, we're back, and we are going to actually there just for a second, Josh. I was waiting for Daniel to speak. <laughs> I was but, like, uh, am I supposed I, to yeah. speak right now? Or yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, it's usually somebody's talking by now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, we are going to look at what God showed us in the Word for a little bit. And Josh, you're going to go first. Tell us I what I am. I have two little things to share really quick. Um, I don't think either of us were in the Psalms today, so I just wanted to share something about. Um, Psalm 105 and 106, which is kind of where we started and got in the middle of two um, or the end of. I don't really remember. But Psalm 105 and 106 is a really cool um, history of Israel and God and their relationship. And so if you want a, you know, spark notes of what happened in the book of Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Joshua and Deuteronomy, all those things, go ahead and read through Psalm 105 and 106. It gives short little snippets of God's relationship with Israel and what Israel did wrong and what Israel did right and what God has done through all of that. And so it was a really cool review kind of just to look back and see, oh, this is this is what God is and what he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's my little 
little psalm thing. But my devotion um, is actually in Isaiah chapter 6. Um, and this is a very popular passage um, because it's an awesome passage uh, about um, God's holiness and an awesome passage about God's limitless limitlessness and how big he is and how transcendent he is. And it's just a really, really awesome passage about God. Um, and so I wanted to talk about um, what Isaiah says immediately when he sees God in his full glory and what that what that looks like. And so Isaiah's response is not to immediately worship. It's not to to do anything else. But his first word is woe. And he says, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. And I remember when I first read this, I never paid attention to what his response was to seeing God. But then as I was, as I was studying through First John, um, we began to see that God is light and light is a representat- representation of his righteousness mm-hmm. uh, and how right and morally perfect and just perfect how, how he is just all of those things. And so when Isaiah is in the throne room and he sees God for all of his glory, when he sees God for all of his light, his himself, himself and the nation of Israel is lit up to him. And his first response is, whoa, I'm a man of unclean lips. And so he sees that he is unclean. He is unholy. He is not righteous. And he sees God that he is holy. He is righteous and he is clean. And so um, his first response is not to fall down on his face and worship, but to see his uncleanliness. And then I think it's super interesting as, as it goes on, um, he doesn't ask for forgiveness himself, but the, the seraphim come to him and they clean him, which is what, what happens with us and God. It's sometimes we, we didn't, we didn't ask for Jesus to die on the cross for us, but he did anyway. Mm -hmm. And it was just a really cool picture of God's love and his holiness and our weakness and our uncleanliness and the nation of Israel's uncleanliness. And it's just so, so, so cool. And I love that passage. It really reminds us of, of the corporate sin that mm-hmm. we, yeah. it's, it's really easy to think in terms of, well, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And that's really all that matters. And not recognizing that within the body of Christ. And we're even told this, that when one person's falling, we're all falling. Mm-hmm. When one person's yeah. weak, we're all weak. Um, and, and that's why we're constantly trying to admonish one another. Mm-hmm. That's why church discipline is so important right. because you're, you're saying if you are not being strong in the faith, then, um, none of us are strong. Right. You know? And so, uh, and trying to, and to lead people to be stronger mm. and so forth. But I, I, there is this need for all of us to recognize our uncleanness right. before God and the necessity we have for, uh, salvation and yeah. and and to be purified by God because if God doesn't right. purify us then we're not made pure. And yeah. it's really cool his response after God says who will go you know yeah. to these people and he says here I am send me uh, and it's like potent. Yeah, it's just it's so cool to see. Yeah, I mean yeah, I can't you can't read through that passage and not hear yeah. that call to yourself. You yeah. can't hear God asking you know still because he's still asking mm-hmm. today. Absolutely. You know, who who will go for us? Yeah. And there's your a trinity right. moment there mm-hmm. in the uh, room with uh Ooh, with Isaiah. Yeah. yeah super cool passage if you've it's never cool read passage. it well hopefully you've read it if you're watching the podcast but if you haven't go back and read it it's <laughs> if you haven't read it it's you a should. short few verses but it's so 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 good anyway i'm going to read something from first corinthians chapter 15 Ooh, uh, chapter 15 i probably should have turned there while i was waiting fun fact while we're waiting is yeah. that one of my favorite verses in college 
um, trivia question about Josh was First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Troy. Yes, I was going to leave that out, but I will include it now oh, that you said uh, that. Yeah, because okay. I was going to start with verse fifty four. Sorry. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but I'm actually going to back up to fifty one. He says, "Listen, I am telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we will be changed. For this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility." And this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. When this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, here's Josh's favorite verse, uh, be steadfast and movable, always excelling in the Lord's work because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so, you know, it's and funny when you say, uh, read verse 38, uh, in Campus Crusade, we'd always say, uh, when you hear the word therefore, you should always ask, what's the therefore, therefore? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and when you back up and then look at the this incredible passage on the resurrection of the body, you know, it, it is it is just a very practical question. What happens to us when we die? What happens to our bodies when they die? Uh, you think of cremation. You think of uh, people, even if you were not cremated, if you died in fire, you die at sea, um, have, you know, a, an improper burial or whatever. Um, their bodies that have been around for a long time have wasted away, de- decomposed, and so forth. So how how exactly do they just pop up out of the grave? and be restored and paul is explaining in the same way you have a physical body you have a celestial body you have a body that's created to live uh, forever one that is immortal this this body from the moment we are born it's it's dying because it's it's tainted with sin on a physical level uh, it's it's not just uh, that sin has affected us in our moral compass it's that sin has infected the world and such is really it really is a virus that none of us are going to uh, recover from uh, and uh, except for the fact that god is going to give us a new body and uh, and and it is a it is a mystery i love though uh, in verses prior he talks about how you think of it when there's a seed uh, and when you look at a seed, a watermelon seed, for instance, mm-hmm. just that little tiny black watermelon seed, uh, it doesn't taste like watermelon, doesn't look like watermelon. It's nothing about a watermelon in it. And if you just saw one laying on the ground, you wouldn't think, mm, what a tasty treat. That's uh, <laughs> right. I'm so thirsty. That would be so good right now. But you plant that seed and the seed literally ceases to be itself. It dies right. as a seed, but but brings forth new life from that seed. It is. I mean, I look every time I every time I watch plants grow, I am so amazed at the process. Right. Uh, And and really, we're the same. I remember uh, one of the things we talk about in the pro-life movement when we're advocating for pro-life. We talk about from the moment of conception, the only thing added is nutrition. 
Yeah. You just add food, right? And we become us. And uh, sometimes we add too much food, and we become too much of us. But, <laughs> uh, but the uh, or or a lot of the wrong food. Uh, right. But the but whatever the case, uh, that's all that we that's that's what makes us grow and our cells to grow and duplicate and 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 hearts to appear and lungs to form and brains to come together. And, and, and you just, it's just a, a, a miraculous process that just uh, just all coded into this little tiny thing. And uh, mm-hmm. and to not see a designer in that is just un- unfathomable to yeah. me. But uh, but here you see that God showing us the created order and saying in the same way, this is amazing. So is the resurrection. Right. The resurrection is going to be amazing. You're going to go, oh, my. Wow. Look at how. Yeah. He made us into whatever it is we become, you know. I mean, really, you think about it. You, I mean, just going back to my watermelon thing, you look at uh, going from seed to watermelon mm-hmm. and how the the colors and the right. diversity and all the nutrients and everything that's that comes as a result of just being in dirt um, and and adding water and sunshine. They, uh, God's saying, in the same way, that's the way your heavenly body is going to be, and. And at that point, when I give you this new body, then death is completely defeated, wow. has no effect. Now you're now you don't have to worry about cellular degeneration. You don't right. have to worry about your hair falling out. Uh, I, well, I, think we're I don't have, have to worry about that. right well, now. I don't think we'll have hair in eternity because I think the less hair you have, the more godly you are. Oh, anyway, uh, I think that's, that's interesting I think because that's, the that's book of Job own, tells us, you know, that's my own premise. But no, but uh, well, whatever the case, if we have hair, we, we keep it. And then if we don't, then we're glad we don't have it. Whatever, whatever is good. And um, but, you know, that's that's the uh, that's the thing about when you're when you're looking at what God is saying about resurrecting us. It's not that uh, we're going to be zombies. It's not that it's not like he just brings our dead bodies back to life, reanimates us. And it's also we're not these spirit ghoulish ghost beings, <laughs> you know, that a lot of times people think of. We literally have new bodies that uh, last forever. And the only person we know uh, that was resurrected and given this glorified body is Jesus. Right. And so and he came and he ate mm-hmm. and he spent time with them and they touched hands and held on to him and so forth but um so yeah. um uh he had he did some weird things i mean he went through walls and stuff it, it appears and so it's uh, just so i mean he had a, the ability to get from place to place pretty doggone fast so that was unique but i but i think that that's i think we just scratched the surface with the the i mean he was only here for 40 days right but i think that there is going to be uh, we're we're going to be amazed obviously when god yeah. does things we'll be amazed but uh, but really I, cool. anyway that's that's what's such a and so he says because of that because yeah. you're going to have this amazing afterlife uh, really i don't know why we call it afterlife because mm-hmm. it's really life um, and uh, he said, but when you enter into this new life, um, he said, therefore, be steadfast in right. what you're doing right now, immovable in what you're doing now, always excelling in the Lord's work because our labor is not in vain. There mm-hmm. is a amazing, rich reward. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, it was somewhere in that reading as well, somewhere between first and second Corinthians, where it was talking about the hope. Of Christ, like that's mm-hmm. that's the only thing we need to be holding on to because it's in reality that's the only thing that matters. And I don't know, you talking about that just kind of was like, whoa, yeah, yeah. only thing that matters. Anyway, cool, cool. All right, what's next? Second Corinthians, 
Um, and this is what it says. It says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And again, there's something about Isaiah 6 and this this understanding of beholding God's glory, glory, seeing God for who he is, that's where transformation happens. Is when you when you look upon God's glory, that's where change happens. It doesn't come from just, you know, I don't know, sometimes reading it. Sometimes it can, absolutely. And we have to look for God. We have to find God and he will show himself to us. And when we look at the transfiguration, uh, it, it was it was happening in the disciples who were there. They were being transformed by what they were seeing. They were seeing God's glory there. Moses saw God's glory and it was on his face. And so it was veiled. But now we all have unveiled face and we can behold the glory of God and beholding that gazing upon who he really is shows us who we really are, shows us the world around us. And that's what changes us is seeing God for who he really is. And it humbles us and it allows us to see he is creator. I am created Mm. and my worship belongs to him and him alone. And so it humbles us and yet it glorifies him and it gives him the glory. And it's so, so cool. I think a lot of the times we, we forget to behold God. We learn about him or we love him, but we forget to just look upon him and see his, I mean, awesome nature, his limitlessness, his everything about him, how, how he's creator, how he is Lord, how he, you know, is holding all these things into balance, how he created a seed to turn into a watermelon or how, (laughs) if we look into our smallest parts of our bodies, the atoms, the electrons, the neutrons, all that stuff, everything we see is created by those things. And yet there's so much diversity in that. And so we can look at God and we can behold his glory because he can see beyond what we can see in the small and he has created things bigger than we could ever imagine. And so I think that that's something that we forget to do a lot that I forget to do a lot is just beholding him for who he is. Um, because the Bible is a whole book that beholds the glory of God. And I think that, like I said, we just missed that. And it was something that really stuck out to me. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it is good stuff. I'm I'm gonna look at it in Proverbs chapter 24, uh, verse 30 through 34. He says, "I went by the field of a slacker and by the vineyard of one lacking sense. Thistles had come up everywhere. Weeds covered the ground, and the stone wall was ruined. I saw and took it to the heart. I looked and received instruction: a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to rest. And your poverty will come like a robber." And your need like a bandit. Uh, you know, it is so easy to slide into a pattern of laziness. It's just the, we get this, uh, when we don't understand why we're, we're living for ourselves or we're, or we're just depressed or we think as though what, whatever it is, our focus gets off. Um, we tend to just simply uh, become inactive. And I know, I know people, I know that, I know people, but I know I'm talking about people in general, have pain and difficulty and struggle. I know there are health issues and so forth that keep us from wanting to move. Um, and uh, and the reality is is that a, a few rough circumstances, some physical challenges, poor decisions that we make, emotional fatigue, um, it could be uh, it could be things outside of our control, things within our control, but all can just lead to us giving up or, mm-hmm. or at the minimum uh, or 
the same, I guess, des- just a desiring not to work, right. wishing, dreaming of a time where we don't have to work anymore. I, I think it, I think that comes from us not taking pleasure in the work that we do, yeah. and and not finding purpose in it. Um, when, when you do something that doesn't, you don't feel like there's any purpose. When you don't feel any joy in that what you do, uh, when you don't, when you're not doing it for Christ and for His glory, then. Uh, then it does tend to become tedious and uh, and and it's a trap. Uh, Admiral Akbar always right. is always there. It's a trap, uh, <laughs> but uh, it is a trap. And if you step in it, then you lose all that you work for, and then some. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've seen. And you think about how people work and work and work and work and work and work, and then they get into this trap, and then all of it. Everything they did, all the years they invested and so forth, all of it is waste away and and goes away. And and which is then even more difficult to then pry yourself out of oh and to goodness. say, I'm going to now rise up and do this again. Uh, and if it happens again, even more difficult right. to. And so you see, that's why so many people are just simply just stopped mm-hmm. and uh, and not moving. Um, the... Um, this is a time when we need to walk wisely. And, and, and I think that the power of God's word is to me uh, that when you read it, you really understand no matter what decisions I've made, no matter what circumstances I've had, no matter how long I've been laying here doing nothing, mm-hmm. <laughs> that can all be forgotten. But I have to start today. Yeah. I, I This is the moment to move. It's it's. And and even if you have been doing everything up until now, it's still not the moment to stop. That's why when they have graves, they put rest in peace on it, because that's when you're done. (laughs) Uh, Until that time, you are always trying to push with every last little bit. I'm so inspired by people who have their bodies have deteriorated to nothing and they're in a nursing home and they're completely physically incapacitated. And then you visit with them and they're like, all right, tell me who I can pray for. Tell me, right. tell me, you know, and, and with whatever abilities they have, they're like, I want to, I want to use this, uh, in my last remaining moments, uh, to give this, uh, to God. That's, that's, that's who I hope to be. Right. Um, and you, and you contrast that with people who are way removed from that, mm. who are living as though they should just die today. Mm. Uh, and, and some are hoping that they'll just die today. Some some are people who want to are suicidal people who just lack the courage to kill themselves, mm-hmm. and that is uh, such a sad place to be. And and never do I want to get the implication that I, I mean the thing is, if you can get the strength to follow, I mean to follow. Here's a great lie of the enemy: people who think about taking their own life and then move toward taking their own life. Uh, you know, there has to be this this moment of I'm going to follow through with this. Right. If you want to believe in something, if you get to the point where you're ready to follow through with something, follow through with being faithful to God. Right. Follow through with doing what he asks you to do. I mean, take that step of courage because that one brings life. The enemy is just lying to you. He's mm-hmm. just he's trying to get you to take away all your opportunity to serve the Lord, take away all the opportunity you have for any type of glory, to take away any any type of hope you have uh, for for self um, uh, improvement. I guess mm, that's where I'm thinking. Yeah. But uh, but the and and so it's a lie. It, so when you look at God's truth, He's saying, "If you'll just trust me, mm-hmm. if if you know, give me your burdens." 
all you who are weary, all you who are heavy laden, come to me. I will give you rest. And what he means by that is, is that now the work, and, and he says, you know, take my yoke upon you, which means I, I still want you to work. Right. But I want you to work with me. And when you work with me, then you'll find joy in it. And I will take the burden of whatever causes you pain in it. And basically what he's saying is this, if, if you're, if working for Jesus is um, causes anxiety or stress or robs you of joy, you're doing it wrong. Right. And so you're doing it in vain. Yeah. And yeah, yeah you're not doing what he's asking right. you to do. Right. You're, you're doing it for some other person than him. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you need to check your yoke and who right. you're who you're yoked to because right. that's not that's not what it's like to work with Christ. But um, yeah. One so. of my one of our students here, um, she's 15, and we were having a small group this summer. And I asked within the group, I said, what is the hardest thing about being in a relationship with God? And kids were saying this and that, you know, whatever. And she just like, we got to her and she like went deadpan in the face. And she said, I think the hardest part about having a relationship with God is that I have to always be thinking about him. And she said that. And like afterwards, when I was reflecting on what all the students said, that hit me and I've mm. never forgotten it mm. because it's true. It is. And it's a job to do. We have to constantly be thinking about God. And that is what, what we have to do to yeah. get through this life to how am I doing this job? Is it, am I doing it for God? Am I glorifying him? Am I reading the Bible for him? Everything we do is about God. And that's hard. And when we start to not think about yeah. God, what what's happening in the book of, or in what you just read in Proverbs is, roots start taking root and it's bad roots it's bad weeds and all this stuff and it's we have to always be thinking about god and when she said that it hit me of if you know we even get one thought away how dangerous that can be and it was just so wise it was crazy well and i'm glad you said that because i think that that is um that's how a lot of us especially when we're young we approach christianity like oh my goodness i've got to think of this person Mm -hmm. And and we enter marriage like that. It's like, oh my goodness, now I'm married to this person. I got to think of them all the time. Yeah. And I've got kids. I got to think of my kids. Right, I got to remember right. my kids. Remember my kids. Remember my kids. Remember my kids. And and God is just one of those things. Okay, I've got to remember to do this. Got to remember right. this. And what that saying is, if you're doing that, if if that's if that's how you're living your life and saying, I got to get up and remind myself of <laughs> remind myself, you know, it's like. Uh, it's like you're sitting at your desk and you're thinking, I'm going to go out and get drunk tonight. Yeah. Oh, wait, there's a picture of my family. Yeah. <laughs> I need to go home. Yeah. Uh, I forgot all about that. <laughs> uh, the, uh, you know, if you're at that place, that's not, a, that's not a healthy place to be. And it shows that you've allowed distractions to come into your life yeah. that have taken priority over the things that you really care about. Because when you really actually, when you love someone, mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're, you forget the other things. Mm-hmm. And you remember those, you remember the people yeah. that you love. You remember the things that you love. When we become obsessed with success or we become obsessed with uh, achievement or we become obsessed with, obsessed with whatever it is of, of, of fulfilling our own lust or whatever, mm-hmm. those things capture our imagination and we think and think and think and think and think about those things. Right. And and then it's like, oh, wait, no, I need to remember God. Mm-hmm. Um but instead, what God is asking is he's saying, no, I want you to walk with, I want you to forget all those things mm-hmm. and see those things as dist- as distractions. Right. If you've gotten to the point where you're struggling to fit God in, then those distractions have taken hold. Mm. You've got to back up way up and say, I, I've got to eliminate these things from my mind or from my thinking yeah. or my whole perspective and go back to, okay, God, this is, uh, 
I'm, I need to be walking with you. Mm-hmm. And in my walking with you, then um, then I you put those things in order uh, for me. Seeking first yeah. the kingdom yeah. is, is always... Beholding the glory of yeah. God. Seeing yes. who he is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and loving him and just having yeah. a love relationship, whether you walk Absolutely. with him and so forth. And then um and because if I if I forget my wife, uh and she knows if I do, <laughs> it's not something you can hide. But if that happens, uh it's not just a matter of I'm gonna do better to mm-hmm. write you into my schedule more. Um it's more of um I I've obviously gotten things out of sync in my yeah, life. Right. I, I need to, um, I've gotten too preoccupied with things that don't matter mm. and I need to get back to those relationships. So that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it, it, when you're young, we all have this desire to be something yeah. and to achieve something or to win something or to have something. And, and that becomes our life focus. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's really what she's saying. She's saying that I'm struggling to keep God as the focus of yeah. my life. Yeah. Yeah. Very wise from a 15 year old. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Anyway. <sighs> okay, we're gonna come back and we're gonna answer some questions. A lot um, of them. Josh has a lot of questions I today. Do a lot of so. questions. And we're always open to questions. You can always let us know questions you have about the reading or, or anything in the Bible. And we love to tackle those things. Just uh, find a way. We've got, I, I would give you tons of contact information, but if you really want to contact us, you can, you can figure it out. Us. You can contact the church. Call the church. They'll give you my number. They're too they're too good about that. <laughs> and uh, and uh, go to the website. You can find contact information at fbcj.us. But we'll be back and answer some questions. Okay, we're going to take some time to answer some questions about things we've been reading in God's Word. And as we said before, uh, if you ever have a question, be sure and just communicate that to us. You can uh, go on the website, fbcj.us. Basically, the website's fbcj.us. If you think of it this way, if you put Troy at fbcj.us, that's my email. If you put Josh at fbcj.us, that's Josh's email. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if we got an Austin email or not. We do not. But the... um, Anyway, we um, we are um, uh, you send us those que- you send us questions anytime. Things you're thinking about, things you ponder, mm-hmm. and um, and we just it's not that we know more than anybody. It's just that we've taken time to look at these things over time and um, and made a habit of reading through the Bible every year. And and so we've come a lot of the things you're going to come across if you're reading the Bible. We've come across it before. Mm-hmm. And if you give it to us in advance, we if we don't know the answer, we'll find. I used to live in a town where we had a general store, and he said if uh, we have he said we have everything, and if we don't have it, we'll get it. And if we can't get it, you don't need it. So, uh, and that's, that's, <laughs> that's right. So we'll, if, if we can't find the answer, we're just going to say the answer's not out there because we'll, yeah. we'll do due diligence to find the answer mm. for you. So you don't have to, so you don't have to labor through Googling something. So <laughs> Josh, what's your first question? Yeah, I have a lot of questions. All right, good. Um, but it begins with something we've been talking about the whole podcast. It has been. I've been God's glory. Yes. Um, we hear that all the time from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. And there's not really just an explanation of what God's glory is. There's mm. a lot of things out there. And so my question is, what is it? Why is it so bright? <laughs> <laughs> you know, glory is, is one of those things that is um, difficult to define and understand. All biblical and just 
for the record, all biblical terms are mm. difficult. Um, Very. Because you talk about evangelism, for instance, or oh, discipleship, gosh, yeah. and what does this mean? Trying to define those things. And we'll have simplistic definitions mm-hmm. that make it easy for us just to say, oh, that works, and we move right. on. I like, uh, like evangelism, as D.T. Niles said, that uh, it's one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. You know, I love that. It doesn't encompass everything we need to know about right. evangelism, but it's just a great, simple explanation to move us on to, to, to shut people up. Uh, and uh, the, um, but glory is is really, I mean, you're trying to describe um, what uh, what makes God uh, amazing, mm-hmm. and uh, and so when we talk about His glory, uh, it is it is what. Uh, Again, like I said, words are hard to come up with, but, you know, what is it that he is displaying the splendor or the awesomeness or the grandness or the uh, whatever that that draws us to worship him that uh, that he displays about himself that uh, inspires in us Mm -hmm. a sense of awe of who he is Uh, to be God is is to be something that is so beyond our understanding. So we so we just have to use things that uh, that help us to understand. Like when you see a rainbow or an amazing waterfall or something, mm. we we give glory to God or and because we see that as a display of His glory, and so we are we are trying to ascribe to Him. The word worship is is really ascribing worth to someone who is worthy, and and so we are we're just simply saying you are you are worthy of everything uh, that we have and so forth. Um, I don't want to over I don't want to oversimplify it, but it's it's glory is really what makes someone look good, mm. and uh, and so the thing that uh, you know if you say that uh, a person is doing you know, when a, when a basketball player goes out and does something really amazing, amazing player, amazing dunk or whatever, and uh, we give that person glory for that, gotcha. and uh, be, and we are we are observing their glory and we give them glory. So it's like it's a twofold thing meaning we mm-hmm. we are saying to them that is awesomeness and 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 attributing attributing awesomeness to that person so when we see god do something amazing when someone's healed for instance right he is displaying his glory how awesome he is by doing the healing and we give him glory by saying how awesome he is saying oh, wow you are right. incredibly awesome um mm. so yeah that's that's that great but it's as good as i'm gonna yeah. get today yeah <laughs> Words are hard when describing the glory of yep. God. Um, so along with Second Corinthians 3.18, it says, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And so we hear all the time in church, there's sanctification, there's glorification, yeah. that one day we will share in God's glory. Right. And so what is that process of, of glorification and what does that mean for humans? Because well, let's contrast it with sanctification. Yeah. Sanctification is the process that we're going through now, and, and it is mm-hmm. a process. It's a um, it is a, a process of, of us being made holy. Uh, glorification really is the final aspect of that. I mean, all through our lives, we will be sanctified um, meaning that God is trying to remove the effects of sin from us, remove the sin from us, and uh, and and then help us to be more holy. But we will never get to that perfection. We will never get to that place of holiness because we are in these these fallen bodies. Right. Uh, that's what hinders us. We literally have to. 
translate or move from this world to the next in order mm-hmm. to have that process complete. Um, to be, we have to die and be resurrected. Jesus, which is what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't that Jesus's body wasn't tainted or whatever, but he didn't. Uh, but he still had a body that could die. Yeah. And and so his ultimate glorification was when he had this new resurrected body. And so when we are also glorified, it is when we share in God's glory. That is means now we are in our eternal bodies and gotcha. sinless and um, and displaying His glory. I mean, it kind of it just mm-hmm. it comes through us. We know it comes from Him, so He's obviously worthy of right. glory, not us. We are not the objects of of worship or glorification. We are, mm-hmm. um, but glorification really is uh, much. A much faster process than sanctification. Right. So because we, when we go from death to life, it's it's all one felt swoop. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. Good answers. Um. So thank you, because that helped clear things up for me. But anyway, yes. as we continue, Isaiah verse seven, or I'm sorry, chapter seven, verse ten, mm-hmm. it talks about how the Lord speaks to King Ahaz, and he begins to tell him about this thing named Emmanuel. Not thing, sorry, child. <laughs> right. And um, so my question is, what did God speaking look like then? Was it like an audible thing? Like, what did that look like then? Well, in, in throughout the Old Testament, uh, and in the New Testament, mm-hmm. you have God speaking and that's i mean the tough thing is 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 uh we all listen to read through the bible and we don't have any issue with god speaking to these people mm-hmm. the question is what we really want to know is what does that look like today yeah if god spoke to me would, it, would he speak this question, way yeah no. so let me just jump let me put the two together <laughs> yeah um but we there are moments in in the bible where we'll have a little bit of insight to that there's a lot of ambiguity and I, I think it's purposeful ambiguity on that we we hear God saying things and speaking things, and He doesn't say was that written on the wall? How did they how do they know that was what God wanted? You when the church was praying and the Spirit told them or revealed to them or shared with them, this is what I want you to do. It doesn't tell us what that actually right. was like, right. and and that would have been super helpful, but also <laughs> it would have been super could have been super harmful. And we have mm-hmm. to believe. The latter, because otherwise God would give it to us. He's right. not going to withhold something from us that's going to be good. Uh, so if he hasn't, mm. if he doesn't give it to us, then there's a reason and a purpose behind that. We have to trust that, trust in His goodness. But we do know that uh, throughout in the Old Testament, in different places, when God would speak through a dream, that would be God spoke to. You know, they would another place it would be God spoke to me, mm-hmm. um, and it, so it could be a dream or a vision. It could be the audible voice of God. It could be uh, we have impre- some what seems like impressions that people had, and so forth. Um, the uh, the reality is is that a lot of God speaking uh, up to now, up, up until the end of the New Testament, uh, was giving us the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And so that right. that was the most important thing is yeah. that the, the, God speaks that this He is sharing His word. The uh, there's a greater caution, and, and, and granted, I I don't know whether He was speaking in audible voice or mm-hmm. not to these people. And like I said, He doesn't share. There are times when they will say there was an audible voice. In right. fact, in the New Testament, right. you know, a voice came out of heaven, and everybody and everybody heard it. Some people heard thunder, but other people yeah. heard an audible voice. But uh, but for our purposes, the thing to remember is is that uh, 
saying God spoke to me or God said this is a very has caused a lot of havoc yeah. in the church. Yeah. And and so knowing that, I'm not going to say there's no place in the Bible that says God does not speak to people anymore. There's it doesn't exist. Right. Uh, we do know there's no new revelation. Mm-hmm. There's no additional Bible. But uh, but to understand the danger, the 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 part that becomes dangerous is when we begin to um, when people begin to say, here's what God is saying to me. And uh, I think the, the the thing, the admonition that we're given is is to test the spirits. Is is what you're hearing or is it is it literally God? Is it from the spirit of the Lord and so forth? Um, there are two times, at least two times. Uh, in my own life where I really believe with all my heart that I heard an audible voice of God. And uh, and I'll just say it, it always was not it was always for the purpose of just simply basically I didn't know whether to go right or left. And God said right or God said left. Right. <laughs> and I and I just needed to hear that. Right. And uh, and it it I it felt audible. <laughs> You know, oh, I mean, wow. it was like a, like I was not expecting to hear a voice <laughs> and heard a voice right. and were the kind where you look around saying, who's, who's in that? here? Who was that? Yeah. That? Who was that? And, uh, and, 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 there, and this is another trait about it that uh, I knew it was God. I mean, within seconds, yeah. it was like, oh my goodness, clear. that, that is God. And the message was clear and was true. Mm. And, I mean, came to fruition. What it was he told me to do, uh, what what he said to do lined up with what his word lined up right, with his word, right. but also came to pass. Mm. And um, and so I, um, I I'll just tell you one was not to kill myself, <laughs> yeah. and the other was um, that uh, and called me into his service. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other was to marry my wife. I did not I know her. That. Yeah, I didn't. I I did not know her. And then he said marry her, and so I did. Um, worked out. Uh, married 32 Aww. years, have four kids, and I and I I mean I yeah. I without a doubt I mean I I knew and I needed that at that moment I was very confused and and in such a bad place, <laughs> and um, it was um it was not instantly she didn't marry me that day, um, <laughs> but she did uh, marry I think it was nine months later something like that, um yeah so uh, anyway, um but whatever the case that that is the the thing that uh, I guess everybody needs to be careful about is if I come and say, this is what the Lord has said. And, and, and both of those things were, were just simply getting me to do what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and did not replace what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you know, it, the Bible is still trumps everything. I, the way I know that something is God is because it's in his word mm-hmm. And that is the word he has given us to rely upon. That is the authoritative voice. All of the voices are subject, are suspect. Right. I mean, it could be the, the enemy. Mm-hmm. could be us. could be my head. could be just you know something right. I ate. Uh, <laughs> could be could be just the demons. I really yeah. believe demonic influence. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, and so I, I have to, I always, if I, I hear something like that or think I've heard something like that, I just go back to the word. And then I and then and usually those things direct me to the word and then I'm just faithful to what the word says mm-hmm. and and do what the word says. Uh, but uh, I know people who have come to me with message from the Lord that I really questioned and then over time proved 
not to be a word from the Lord. Right. And right. Uh, and so it's it's a very dangerous thing uh, to do. Uh, again, so the the real the real answer is God speaks through His Word. Uh, and that is, um, he can speak to the church. He can speak through other people. Mm-hmm. He can speak through a billboard. He can speak in an audible voice. He can speak through our prayer times and through an impression, a feeling, right. or whatever. I do believe God communicates with his people, but it will never be something that uh, is uh, authoritative uh, over God's word uh, and and has to be tested to make sure it is a result of God. Um a result of the Holy Spirit. Gotcha. That's super helpful. I hope. <laughs> okay, so my last question is in 1 Corinthians 15 as well. Okay. Um, and it's verses 29 through 30, and let me get to it. I'm almost there. Okay, so Paul is writing, obviously, the Church of the Corinthians, and this is what he writes. Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people being baptized on their behalf? And... What is going on in the church at Corinthians? Okay. And are they baptizing dead people on behalf of, or I mean, baptizing people on behalf of dead people? Am I reading that right? Okay, tell me the passage again. Um, First Corinthians fifteen twenty nine through thirty. First or just Cor- that, I just read verse twenty nine. Okay, First Corinthians fifteen. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. Yes, this is um where da, 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 we were talking about resurrection before we got to what we were talking about resurrection. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, this is a, a practice that was taking uh, place at that period of time and so forth that they were they were doing uh, something they were doing. Um, he um, he is not condoning the practice uh, at this point. He's just not uh, condemning it at this place, but to, but uses it uh, to make its point. Um, the um, I, I think that some people interpret it as saying, well, he's talking about the spiritually dead, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think that uh, I don't think that makes I think right. that doesn't make Paul's point. I, re- I, it w- I, I, I believe it was a, a practice that the Corinthians had they were doing. I, I liken it to when we're talking to people who are uh, we're trying to make a point about God's word. They're not wanting to follow God's word or, or, or antagonistic about it right. and and say, um, and we will use something that they do and say, well, why do you do this if you believe that this is not real mm-hmm. or true? You know, um, and I'm not I'm not condoning the practice that they're doing. I'm just not taking this moment to condemn that practice, right. even though I don't believe in the practice right. they have. I'm just using the fact that you do this. You're doing this, and if you do this, what would be the point of doing it if mm. if this were not true? I'm just using it to make my case yeah. or my argument, gotcha. and uh, and it looks like that's what he's doing here. And Paul would do that. I mean, he would he would look at his circumstances and, the, and things that people were doing, and um, and just simply use their own under their own practices, their own beliefs, their own understanding as a means to uh, show them the hypocrisy of their own thinking. Mm. Um, it's um you know it's kind of like if you're saying if you believe, you know, a person who believes in reincarnation or whatever, and and you say, uh, and they're and they're talking about how you know you live the best life you can or whatever, but then they're obviously not li- living the best life they have, and they say, well, if you believe in reincarnate, you know, if you're getting reincarnated, then why aren't you living a better life? Right. You know, Ooh, it's no, like, yeah. but I don't believe in reincarnation. <laughs> I'm yeah, just yeah. saying you believe in reincarnation, right. and yet it doesn't even line up with what you're doing. Right. You know, and uh, and here they have this practice of worshiping the dead, mm-hmm. yet at the same time uh, are not, uh, and that's what he's saying, 
what's the point if the dead are not raised at all then why would you be doing this um and uh and yeah, so and sense. just just trying to but then i think he goes on to make the case that um um you know for resurrection but uh but no i i just because and, and there's several places in the bible this happens mm-hmm. just because he says the negative like uh where he says something to the effect of hey you know uh what would be the point of this? Mm-hmm. He's not saying it's true. Yeah. He's just saying your logic doesn't hold up. Yeah. You you see, Paul seems to ask a lot of questions to his people yeah. so that they can see, so they can answer them themselves and see, oh, yeah, I'm not thinking correctly or something like that. I just find that interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. I may have butchered that a little bit, but uh, <laughs> I have to listen back to it and say, mm, did they make sense what I just said? <laughs> no, but, it did. But good. Because, uh, He's kind of asking a question. Because he does, I, I'm thinking of all the examples in my head. I just wish I had more of the examples yeah. here in front of me. I know in Hebrews, uh, things are said in Hebrews where we talk about uh, putting, uh, where we have to crucify Jesus mm-hmm. again and again if we uh, lose oh, yeah, our yeah, salvation. Yeah, yeah. Well, he says, he it, it. basically saying if we lose our salvation and uh, if we get away, leave Christ or whatever, He's not saying we are losing right. our salvation. He's not making that point. He's saying mm-hmm. you would have, and if you did, yeah, then this would, this would be, be what true. this would yeah. be ha- what right. have to happen. Right. But that is not the same as saying that's true. Yeah. Well, and that's what he does in Romans as well. When he's like, "Does this mean you should sin more?" No. And right. He, he asks yeah. ask that question because he has to show them where their fault is. This does not right. make this true. And so, why are you doing it? Yeah, so he's so taking something that, that people one. practice and saying, yeah. if you if this if there were no resurrection, yeah. then what you're doing makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, but um, that makes yeah. sense. Gotcha. But but no, there is no resurrection. Right. <laughs> there is no um, there is no baptism for the dead. There's a resurrection of the dead. There's no baptism of the dead. Gotcha. So. Okay. Well, that's all my questions that I had, Troy. Sweet. So. Awesome. Well, thanks, Josh. Our first podcast, Sans Daniel. Actually, we've done podcasts without Daniel before, but never. Never like wasn't permanent. Never like he wasn't coming back. So Daniel, we miss you era. if you're listening. I know, yeah. I know you're. I know you're probably not, but yeah. <laughs> we do miss you. But anyway, we got uh, got big things ahead. So yes, hopefully, we that gives us the opportunity to bring in more guests and, yeah, and people. Ba, ba, ba. So, we didn't do that today. You didn't do it today. I didn't. I didn't have a I chance as I'm introducing oh, it myself. I didn't have a chance to do my little. Bum, 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 bum. All right. Well, that concludes our podcast for today. Thank you for joining us. And don't forget to look up online at fbcj.us and all the other things we've got out there for you to Mm, listen to and do. And uh, and if you are uh, interested in the podcast and think, wow, this is amazing, we have so many other podcasts to listen to about where we've already gone through (laughs) the entire Bible in one year. And uh, and this is we're actually making it through for the second year. So uh, so if you've got other passages you want to look at, you scroll around and find a podcast that fits where you are in your reading. But anyway, God bless you guys. We'll see you.